0: Welcome to Meta Minutes, your bite-sized pieces of the Metaverse. My name is Rene from Reply, and today we're going to talk about the Metaverse economy. And for this, I'm very honored to have a special expert guest today, Theodora Lau. Hi, Theo. How are you today?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me, Renee. And and I wouldn't call myself the expert. You are actually the expert, because I remember when I first ventured into the space, you were one of the first people I talked to. Uh,
0: that's so nice. But anyhow, you let's talk about your book a little bit later because you are an expert for sure now. So don't, don't like make yourself smaller <laughs> than you are. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself as your background as it relates to you know, Metaverse, 3D, finance, whatever. What's your background?
1: So um, I often tell people my background is tech. It's not finance. Um, I have been in technology and IT uh, and telecom Especially for 15 plus years, and then by chance I ventured into the startup world, specifically around using technology for good and looking at fintech and how we can use technology to improve financial inclusion. And that was ooh almost 10 years ago. Um, that was that was my initial dipping the tools into. What is the world of finance and how does that um, intersect with technology, which is my background? And then next thing you know, you know, we're like, oh, wait, there is this thing called the metaverse and everyone is talking about it. It is super interesting. However, comma, as our last conversation was, there's still a lot of things that needs to be in place right, before we can get to where it needs to. But the journey itself is, is exciting. As I wrote in the book, it reminds me a lot. About how the internet was when it first started, because I I was in college in the early nineties, and I still remember my really really thick compact laptop, which is <laughs> not really a laptop, more like a brick. And um, you know, and from Unix machine, I migrated over to Windows, which was really interesting—the whole user interface and all of that. But even then, we used it mainly for Minesweeper. I think that was the game, and uh, <laughs> and emails. Uh, And that was pretty much it, right? You know, the whole way of using the internet to connect to people in real time, to be able to do what you and I do right now, to basically have the world in a mobile phone carrying it with us everywhere we go, order a ride, order food, banking. That didn't exist back then. And so if we look back at how internet evolved in the last 20 plus years, then the question would be, well, wait a minute, could this, what we're talking about, the metaverse, would be the next version of how the world would be?
0: Yeah, that's um, that's pretty awesome. And you already touched a little bit on it, but let's dive a little bit deeper. I always ask the same question, to the first question to my guests. Um, what is the metaverse for you and where do you see the potential? And you already touched a little bit on that, but maybe you can talk a little bit more about it.
1: I remember I asked you the same question too. Yeah. And I have to say, in the last, oh, year plus that I started looking into it, your explanation is still by far the best. It it makes so much sense, it is having the real world embedded into computing. That was exactly how you explained it to me. See, so I took notes. Um, and it's it's about having a physical reality and a virtual reality. Oftentimes, we think about, well, you know, it is an entirely virtual world, and I don't think that's what we want it to be, right? If you look at, for example, Apple Vision Pro, um, the headset they're coming up with, and I'm super excited about that. Being mindful, it is the first version of it, but imagine being able to bring the two worlds together, being immersive, but yet at the same time, not losing sight of where you are and the people you're interacting with. I think that will be really really interesting to see.
0: Yep, I I agree. Um that's that's the most important part is is also the people, right? Like collaboration mm-hmm. aspects of it and how we can interact better with each other. Of course, you know, being in person still tops, but that's not possible all the time and so, you know, having enhanced immersive collaboration surely is is uh, something why I would see a lot of benefits. Um but let's talk about your book and maybe if you, you want to show it for the audience that are watching here, um, the video of the, our podcast, uh, look at this. This is the Metaverse Economy. And it's the first one explaining the Metaverse Economy for Finance Professionals. That's the subtitle. And so first of all, uh, you know, you also mentioned Web3 and so on. So let's talk about Web3 and what are the opportunities for finance that you also describe in the book.
1: Yeah, so this, this book was really, really interesting. Let me take a step back and, and talk about how the idea came about. So my first book, Beyond Good, was looking at what are the different trends, the mega trends that are going on in the world and how does that intersect with money? and technology. So um, we looked at, for example, longevity, people living longer. We looked at inequality. We looked at climate change. We looked at a lot of these things that is part of our lives and then bring in examples of companies that are doing something about it, people that are doing something really, really interesting to move us all forward. Now, people will look at the second book on the metaverse. They'll be like, wait a minute. The first one was very grounded in reality. This one seems a little bit more hype, and this is what I would challenge people to actually read through it because there are a lot of things going on. There might not be a lot of things going on in our little silo, especially in the U.S., where we're all still very focused on writing checks. But um, there is a different world out there, especially when you go to Middle East, to Dubai, especially when you go to Asia. Most of the conferences that I've seen in the last nine months plus is all about metaverse, all about Web3, all about how do we use a different mode in this world of technology to move us forward, to bring forth more opportunities for people, people. So both books are centered around community. What is the role of finance and technology within the community? So you talked about Web3 and what is really, really fascinating is looking at how we do things nowadays a whole creator economy if you will right people that are able to and and i learned this from my kids it's fascinating what you can learn from children they play on the computer for so long every single day they're on roblox they're on minecraft they're on all of these things and they have all of these little gadgets assets whatever you you call them right skins or or weapons if you will that people create and quote unquote, sell them, right? And so this gives rise to a whole new ecosystem of people, of creators that are making digital assets, which become in turn an income for them. So what does this mean in the world of finance? What does it mean when we can actually do things in a different way, when we're creating digital things and to be able to do more peer-to-peer lending, to be able to do crowdfunding and all of that in the world of tokens? I think that's where the exciting part is. Yep,
0: yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, especially also for, uh, like you said, there's a good opportunity for creators, right?
1: Yes, like- there is, and and I think the the interesting part that we have not done yet, and I know we'll touch on it, is the people people question will be then, why do we care? Why do banks care? And and I think that's the big Um, hole that we need to fill is yes we should care because this is a whole new different economy that people are transacting on it gives rise to a whole world of opportunities that people otherwise didn't have
0: What, what i also find pretty interesting is the aspect of the decentralized identity when we think about blockchain technology and so on and also when we talk about the metaverse and your avatar, for example, being your virtual, your presence, your identity in the metaverse, right? And keeping keeping that for you or maintaining that as an identity connected to your physical identity is, of course, a challenge. If we look at all these different platforms that we have and where you on each of these platforms, you have a different avatar system. You cannot take your avatar with you. I mean, there are some... Some services like Ready Player Me, for example, and a few others, where you have these kind of cross-platform shared avatars. Um, but I think also there's an opportunity, for example, when we when we talk about blockchain technology, um, in the metaverse context, to also connect it with your identity, right? To have a decentralized mm-hmm. identity system, and and also the aspect of, you know, right now when you're signing into a new application or a new service, um, which are popping up all the time with all the Gen AI. Um, hype at the moment um, usually you have a bunch of options to sign in right you can use like whatever google uh, microsoft amazon meta account, whatever mm-hmm. it is right but like what what happens if these if these companies decide they don't want to work with that servers anymore or mm, they're just offline whatever right you're kind of mm-hmm. lost we, they own your identity at, at some point um although it's your account and so on but it's, it's physically stored at these companies, servos, right? So that's, oh, yeah. that's that's a big opportunity for a DID, decentralized identity, also in the context of, of that. What, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And we see some of that, right? And let, let's just say um, a bird site, <laughs> I would not use the name. And you see people's um, handle getting taken over by a certain CEO of the company because they said, well, you know, you are not no longer this identity. I'm going to give you something else because I need that. Well, wait a minute, but that has always been me. That has been my identity for like 10 plus years. This is how people know me. And all of a sudden, someone else take it away because everything that you have on there, you don't really own it, do you? The pictures that you upload, the text that you write, the blogs, all of that is not really you. You're just basically housing it in someone else and you are basically up to them. To do whatever it is that they want, I'll give you. A, I I'll give you an example, and um, my uh, my kids love one of the uh, Roblox games. They they just love it. They invested so much time in it. They yeah. have, like you said, the avatar. They have they have had certain. Street cred maybe that's the right oh, name yeah. for it, because they have advanced to a certain level.
0: They have 250 then, million monthly users, right? It's
1: and amazing. My kids played
0: as well, so yeah. It
1: is it, fascinating that whole world. And then all of a sudden, they were telling me, "Oh yeah, the developers mm-hmm. not going to be, you know, continuing updating this game anymore. They they're moving on to a new one." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, then what happened to all the stuff that you guys have spent, you know, the whole last year building? Yeah. They're like, they can't transfer. They can't do anything. It just feels like, you know, some people may say, well, you know, it's just a game, but it's more than a game, right? It's artists and creators have spent time building on the platform. The users have spent time engaging with the whole community. And now all of a sudden you say, well, you know, sorry, tough. We're going to move on. I, I, I think, I think, especially in the last few years with, the change in people's habits and behavior, how more often we're engaging with each other online and creating a sort of community online, the more painful this has become for someone to come in and tell you, oh yeah, you know, all of that time and effort that you have spent in it to create this camaraderie yeah. between people, yeah, we're taking that away. It, it, it's, um, it's a word that people use often, um, democratize the access right giving yeah. the power back to the people um, and and i think that was a really interesting example for that yeah, yeah.
0: and uh, you know that that's like web 3 with blockchain tech is potentially a solution for for that for this kind of decentralized identity but also like you said the decentralized assets
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and uh, i mean i had a previous episode um with a, with a lady from a law firm and um, while we talked about the kind of these the the legal aspects of it because there's also still a little, little bit of gray zone I would say, um for certain <laughs> certain aspects there but but uh, um surely um worth exploring, but anyhow mm-hmm. what what do you see are the main challenges the metaverse is facing for a vital adoption in the financial sector but also in in general and do you have any ideas how we can overcome those?
1: Oh, that's gonna take time, um ah. and that's the one thing I often tell people. You know, when we write about a concept, that doesn't mean that everything is in place right now, right? And, and that's exactly like how our last conversation was. There still needs to be things that needs to be in place and we need to overcome. First and foremost, the most apparent one is digital access. I know that I'm sitting on an amazing bandwidth that I can do what I do right now with you and everyone else. But not everyone have that access to the bandwidth. Nor do everyone have access to the equipment. All of that costs money, right? So that infrastructure needs to be built out and the price of equipment needs to come down. So when we talk about digital inclusion, that must be in place before you can get more adoption. So you're talking about um, digital literacy, you're talking about bandwidth, you're talking about handset, but... More so is also the, the experience and the use case. You know, one of the things that we like to talk about a lot is these are like shiny new toys. But just because it's shiny new toys doesn't make massive adoption. For something to be adopted on a large scale, it can't be a niche. It needs to serve different purposes. It needs to have actual use cases, right? So we talk a lot about gaming. But there is a whole big world out there, and that was the fascinating part. Talking to, um, you know, different builders in across in a different continent, they're looking at how can we use it for healthcare, how can we use it for education. There's a university in Hong Kong that's building a space to connect both the um, students in Hong Kong as well as the students in China, and creating an immersive environment for them to learn. Those are really, really interesting use cases. And as you mentioned, regulation, that's a big part. Sustainability, that's another question, right? Because all of this use a lot of resources, um, especially given the, uh, what we're seeing with the challenge with climate crisis. How do we deal with that? How do we end up not creating more problems for us in the future? So all of these are question marks. And then, you know, the last question, you know, that often in financial services that we're talking about is what about banks? What role do banks play in this? Um, for banks to have a space, it needs to be more than just putting someone's digital portrait, you know? So it, yeah. it needs to be more than that. How can they play a role in facilitating financial inclusion? Perhaps going back to, what we were talking about earlier with the gig economy, would there be a way for us to rethink risk, to rethink perhaps extending credit, not just based on how we're doing it right now with a physical job, with something stable, right? Every two weeks, a paycheck coming in, the very, very traditional way of risk measurement and management, but more so, how do we deal with a gig economy? How do we deal with, creators that are doing things online, can we then use technology, right? Use AI, we talk a lot about AI. Is there a way that we can change how we perceive revenue to be able to use new models to extend credit to them? That would be a whole new economy for us to explore and that's the exciting part. But we're not there yet.
0: <laughs> no, no not, not there yet. But I mean, uh, talking also with well, other f- folks in the finance industry, Surely there's an interest and also to tap into the uh, financial opportunities, I would say, when it comes to that. So we'll see. We're still at the beginning, right?
1: We're still at the beginning. Yes. Yeah, very, very early.
0: And and you are helping to uh, foster that community as well with your book. And so that's the last question for you. Where can we get your book? What's the title um, again?
1: <laughs> yes, you can look it up, um, Metaverse Economy. So, we do have a book website called Metaverse Economy Book.com. Otherwise, you can also get it on Amazon and wherever the books are being sold, as well as our publisher, Kogan Page. And the whole idea of Arun and myself writing the book is I want to be able to open the doors to more people to A, look at what's going on, and B, be part of the community. And that was very, very intentional. I spent a whole month reaching out to different people, people that we don't typically hear from in our ecosystem, because I think in order for us to grow, and if this is going to be the next version of internet, we need to have more people at the table.
0: I love these final words here. Um, we need to have more people at the table with a diverse view. Right, that's that's also very important. That it's not just the same old guys again doing the thing. Um, we need all these different perspectives and points. So that's awesome. Uh, well, we're already at the end of the show. Um, thank you so much, Theo, for joining us today and sharing your insights. That was very much appreciated.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure.
0: And thanks everyone for joining us for Meta Minutes, your bite-sized pieces of the metaverse. Watch our blog and follow our social media channels. Subscribe to our Reply podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And of course, on reply.com, you can always watch the previous episodes at any time. With that, uh, I wish you a great rest of the day. Take care and see you soon. Bye-bye.